Yes, hello, and welcome to 2002 A Film Odyssey, the podcast where films are discussed, specifically the films of the year 2002. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andrew Deem. I'm Dan. And uh, so we're moving right along with this project. Uh, we are, we've reached January 11th, uh, Friday, January 11th on the 2002 release calendar. Only one movie was released this day, and that was... That's Orange County. Orange County. That's the movie of the day. The movie du jour. Right. Uh, So it kind of seems like more people are familiar with this movie than the last movie we discussed, Imposter. I would say so, certainly. Um, I think most people I know have seen this movie at some point. Uh, or another, either in theaters or, um, you know, on DVD or streaming or something like Sense. Right. Whereas Imposter, you were the only person I know that had seen that movie. So, right. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think people are, after listening to our episode, are going to be like busting down their, uh, their, uh, local DVD stores, uh, doors for, uh, copy of Imposter. I've actually talked to a couple people the last couple days about Orange County, and I talked to two separate people, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Orange County, and they were like, oh, I love that movie. Really? Which was a little surprising to me, because I didn't didn't think it was so fondly remembered. Yeah, it it doesn't really have that that nostalgia for me. Like, I I, kind of liked it back then. but it doesn't it never like it never stuck it wasn't like a a classic or anything like that to me at the time it it always felt sort of uh, half baked even then a little mild yeah yeah so this movie is like we said a little more well remembered than imposter for sure uh nevertheless we should probably give a quick plot description in case people haven't seen it in a while or they don't really remember sure too much about the movie and we and we did mention last week that it's on hbo max for streaming currently so if you if you have hbo max uh you can check it out and so is imposter actually uh we talked about that before the record but imposter was added to hbo max like in the last week so we are wondering if we have any fans at HBO uh, that have not announced themselves. It wasn't on HBO Max when we recorded, so it kind of kind of a strange coincidence. I'm sure it just is a coincidence, but uh, saw that and it was kind of weird. And they also have both cuts of the movie too. Like we were talking about how the theatrical cut seemed to be unavailable anywhere, but HBO Max has both versions available to watch, which is wild. Right. So you can either hear Gary Sinise say, I'm Spencer Olam, and then cut to somebody else talking, or hear him say, I'm Spencer Olam, you crazy fuck. You crazy fuck. Yeah, the R-rated version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I know which version I would choose. Um, although I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to watch the theatrical cut since that episode is, uh, shipped. <laughs> so I never have to, yeah. to watch imposter again. Uh, and I won't. Yeah, no, never going to watch that again. But yeah, like I said, we'll give a quick recap for the, you know, what orange County was about in case you don't really remember the movie that well. 
So Orange County is a teen comedy directed by Jake Kasdan, written by Mike White, starring Colin Hanks, Jack Black, and Skylar Fisk. Mm-hmm. Daughter of um, Jack Fisk. Or Sissy Spacek. Yeah, I both, was thinking both I was thinking Sissy Spacek. <laughs> um it, it is a teen comedy, but it, it it's a little more I think they were going for a little more adult friendly. Not necessarily like Yeah. It's not like loaded with like R rated jokes or whatever or jokes that would only appeal to like older people. Mm-hmm. But they loaded it loaded the rest of the cast out with like kind of like well-known comedy icons comedy vets yeah so it's an interesting mix of like teen high school comedy stuff and like older like harold ramis Catherine o'hara just kind of like these like 70s and 80s comedy icons um and chevy chase that just kind of like show up uh to sort of like almost give it like credence or maybe like a little bit more um chops Right. So the quick synopsis of the plot, it is about a uh a young man named Sean Brumder who is a like a high school senior who aspires to be like this great writer and novelist. Right. He he finds a copy of a book in the sand in the beach and um uh reads it cover to cover multiple times and uh, is inspired to become a writer after reading it. And he, he's also kind of banking on being accepted into Stanford. Right. So he can study under his, uh, uh, his favorite writer and literary hero, Marcus Skinner. Yeah. Marcus Skinner played later uh, in a cameo by Kevin Klein. Mm-hmm. Now the Un- I, uncredited, right? Yeah, uncredited, yeah. right. You have to really scroll on the IMDb to find it. Because <laughs> uh, he's definitely in it. Yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's got like two scenes. Um, which is, like for this movie, kind of a lot. Because this movie's so short. It's only like an 85-minute movie or 82 yeah. minutes even. Um, so like like two scenes is like a decent chunk of the movie. Um, like I think he has almost as much screen time as like Harold Ramis, uh, who is credited. Right. So, yeah, he he wants to be this great writer one day, and he also wants to kind of get away from Orange County because he lives in Orange County, California. Right. He has kind of like a condescending view of Orange County, and, like, he thinks it's full of, like, vapid people, and he thinks his family's embarrassing, Mm -hmm. uh, and... He doesn't like cheerleaders who dance to the song Butterfly by Crazy Town. Yeah. So he's uh, he fears that his uh, his environment and his friends and family might hold him back creatively. So he's really hoping to get out of Orange County. So the movie, I would say, is basically just a... It chronicles like a series of mishaps that put his future at stanford in jeopardy yeah it takes place over like what like like 30 hours like a couple like a day or two yeah like a day and a half basically so we'll get we'll get into the specifics of the plot but that's in a nutshell what it's about right yeah that's the basics yeah yeah so so did you dan did you see this movie in theaters oh yeah 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 definitely saw it um i definitely liked it um but it wasn't really a movie that stuck with me i'm pretty sure i owned the dvd um 
at that time. Uh, I don't know whatever happened to it. I own it again now because you gave it to me for my birthday. But, uh, yeah, I, I did, I did like it. Um, I probably only saw it like once or twice back then. Um, sort of as, uh, time went on, I, I found it on Amazon prime video a few years ago and watched it like, I know, like 2019, I think maybe late mm. 2018. And I didn't, really like it (laughs) it was like not it wasn't quite what i remembered um i will say i i think i probably liked it a little more this time than i did a few years ago so it could have just been like a sort of like yeah my personal place and time or whatever it just wasn't wasn't what i was into right then but like uh yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite, and uh, I was kind of like, eh, that that wasn't really what I remembered. Yeah, I saw this in theaters. It's another movie I saw with my dad the opening night, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing the trailer pretty often. Yeah, well, because it was an MTV film too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so saw the trailer on TV a lot um, mm-hmm. because that would have been, I guess, I guess I would have occasionally tuned into MTV for things. Uh-huh. Uh, probably at least the like video music awards uh i feel like it was probably advertised at whichever whichever one of those would have been like a few months before uh january 2002 Uh um and i think probably like jack black even like presented an award or something probably Uh, i mean i could just be making all that up but that just seems likely yeah i uh yeah i didn't have mtv either but uh, I would go to my friend Brian's house, and he had MTV, and I remember seeing the, uh, like, they had these uh, promo spots on MTV that were, they were meant to resemble, like, scenes from the movie, but they weren't, they weren't from the movie, and they weren't, like, movie quality. They were clearly made to be, like, bumper ads on MTV, Uh, but I remember seeing a lot of those. And I was kind of, I was pretty excited to see the movie when it came out, uh, pretty much just for the Jack Black factor. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that was right around the time where I kind of like revisited High Fidelity because I saw Mm -hmm. High Fidelity like in 2000, Mm -hmm. um, and didn't really understand it because I was like in middle school. Uh, so it's this kind of like adult comedy drama, like about uh-huh. relationships and stuff. And I'm like, well, like 11 or 12. And I'm just like, get, go back to the Jack Black stuff, please. Yeah. And so, so yeah, established Jack Black fan at that point. Um, you know, I'd say, I'd say we still are too, right? Like he's still, yeah, he's still like, I, well, something about him is still funny. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's great in high fidelity. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the career-defining role for him there. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I wish... We were talking about this before, but I wish he worked more. I wish he did more stuff. Yeah. Um, like, because he has his YouTube channel that he does, Jables Gaming, which is just, like, video game stuff. I think he does a lot of stuff, like, with his son. Mm-hmm. And then um, then he just shows up in, like, Jumanji movies for the most part. Right. Yeah, he, he doesn't work too often, I don't feel like. I mean, he doesn't have to. Like on his, I've watched some of his YouTube videos just out of curiosity, and he has like a fucking mansion, so he's (laughs) clearly very rich. Like, um, even if he, even if he just did a Jumanji movie like every like six, seven years, I think he's set for life. Yeah. So a little later, I think we'll get into where this movie was in Jack Black's career, 
but uh, I, I also kind of want to talk. I mentioned this before about wh- like what kind of comedies and teen comedies were popular at this point in time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, 2002 would have been the the post American Pie era. Yeah. Um, so like American Pie was 99. American mm-hmm. Pie 2 was 2001. Those yeah. are kind of the the big ones I remember. Right. Um, maybe like you could you could include Scary Movie in there. Those yeah. movies would have been like right around the same time. Right. I was kind of thinking like there's something about Mary was a huge hit in 1998. Yeah. And then. American Pie 1 was a big hit in 1999. And I think those movies really kind of demonstrated there was an appetite for, like, raunchy sex comedies. And yeah, totally. And gross-out gags and stuff like that. Totally. I mean, I, I American Pie basically sort of reinvigorated the, mm-hmm. the teen sex comedy, which was kind of a genre that had been left for dead obviously it was huge in the 80s like with your risky businesses and (laughs) john hughes movies and stuff like that but like um american pie kind of breathed some life into that genre which (laughs) we hadn't i I don't think we had really seen too many of those in a while and then american pie is just this like huge hit (laughs) gets a sequel uh which comes out in 2001 and then like what else is around that time period i mean because you've got more more of those sorts of movies that yeah. are coming out because, like, you got Van Wilder later this year, mm-hmm. um, later 2002. 2002, yeah, yeah. Um, like, you've got like the new guy, was that? Yeah, that was 2002. We're going to talk about that yeah. later, which is so, exciting. <laughs> uh, you've got Road Trip, which was what, yeah. 2000? 2000, yeah, 2000. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of seeing the like high school, college movies, um sort of gain some popularity Mm -hmm. again. And I I feel like you would even see movies that weren't necessarily like teen comedies kind of incorporate like gross out gags. Yeah. Something about Mary Fairly brothers, obviously like kind of did that throughout the nineties with dumb and dumber and Mm -hmm. Kingpin and, and then most popularly with, uh, something about Mary. Yeah. Uh, because I, the thing I was thinking about was uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, mm-hmm. which is a monster hit, the most well deserved, <laughs> the highest grossing comedy of 1999. It has a scene where Austin drinks uh, Fat Bastard's stool sample. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Which wasn't really like the kind of humor that the first Austin Powers relied on. That's true. I never really thought about it. I, I mean, I, I've thought about. How Austin Powers' Spy Who Shagged Me is, like, not nearly as funny as... Definitely. ...as uh, The International Man of Mystery. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I never really thought about, like, any kind of differences in content. Because for the most part, that movie kind of just recycles a lot of the same gags from the first one. Yeah, it's just basically, like, like skewed versions of the jokes that were in the first movie, but... Right. I do remember that stool, Sam. I mean, that that probably brought the house down. Oh, it did. I remember. In, like, 2001. Yeah. Yeah. But that was just, like, a trend for movies at that time that they had, like... Someone has to be gross. Kind of gross out. Someone's got to do something that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, like, something about Mary had the big, like, come in the hair sight gag. Yeah. 
Hair um, gel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I guess after that point in American Pie, he fucks a pie. Mm-hmm. So there's like kind of like one signature. And Stifler drinks uh, semen, right? Yeah. A lot of the near beer beer place. Yeah. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast on just the American Pie movies. I, I watched like all four during quarantine for some reason it, again. It's too bad there wasn't American Pie in 2002. Right. I mean, we just, because uh, 2003 is American Wedding. Wedding. Yeah. 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 So we just, we just missed it, but. That's all right. Yeah. We, maybe we can do a special <laughs> series down the road on the pie, on the pie movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pie cast, <laughs> pie cast. But I feel like by the time 2001 rolled around, like you couldn't really escape that kind of humor. Like, uh, I don't know, like Tomcats. Tom, oh, Tomcats is one of the, the single worst movies ever made. Uh, Very bad movie. Right, that one he eats uh, a, a cancerous testicle yeah, that was removed. The testicle gets eaten. Right, that was that that movie's big signature side um, gag. Uh, like uh, yeah, American Pie two, Stifler gets peed on when right. he thinks he's uh, having champagne poured on him. It's so warm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can taste the bubbles. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, American Pie two. Also features a cameo from uh, Ben Shapiro, the uh, conservative talk show radio host. I had no idea. Yeah, he. I, what, it's, what's in? It's not really. A, it's not really a cameo so much as he's just in the audience during the uh, scene where Jason Biggs pretends to be mentally disabled and plays a trombone really poorly um, at the at the band camp. Does uh, he? Uh... Pretends to be Petey, right? Petey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a scene that uh, I mean, a lot. Of, a lot of those movies have stuff that like wouldn't hold up under the modern yeah, lens, but that does. <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't what I was going for. Uh, that one especially is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, this movie, Orange County, really doesn't like suffer from that problem like no it doesn't really fit in with those yeah, kinds of movies it, it was definitely written for like a more mature audience yeah. like it, in mind um it, it doesn't really fit in with your american pies and your road trips yeah i mean it's it, it's it's got jack black who was like this burgeoning like movie star at the right. time but like for the most part it, it really doesn't um, doesn't cater to those audiences, no. um, and, and a lot of that's probably because Mike White wrote it, who right. who you know has written more intellectual stuff. You know, he did like Chuck and Buck, what in like nineteen ninety eight? Uh, I think that was two thousand. I oh, actually okay. rewatched Chuck and Buck. Did you okay. in preparation for this? Because uh, I hadn't seen it since the time it came out. Yeah, uh, or the time it came out on DVD. And, uh, you know, I, I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I liked Chug and Buck. I haven't seen it in a long time. Like, probably close to 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, like, very humanistic. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a, uh, like, you might read the plot synopsis and you might think it's something like a Jared Hess kind of a thing. Right, But right. it's much more sensitive than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a talented writer, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Just did the White Lotus on HBO Max, which mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about last episode. So he's got this like current like mega hit. So he's kind of got a little renaissance going right now, mm-hmm. where he's kind of in the the public eye a little bit as being like a a voice again in Hollywood. Where I feel like 
maybe he hadn't really been recognized as one in a while. Right. Um, I do know he's like super into like the the game show Survivor, and he was because <laughs> he was on it. Right. He was on Survivor, but he was a big fan. That was like why uh-huh. he wanted to be on it. So uh, he was also on the Amazing Race, right? Yeah, I think I think like with his dad. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Currently, currently in a little bit of a comeback, but yeah. in, you know, in two thousand one, because this would have been before School of Rock. Yeah, this was, was the year before School of Rock, right? And School of Rock is, I, I'm sure, his biggest hit. Um, yeah. as a as a writer, still, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, this movie doesn't quite fit in with the other teen comedies. Like a, the comedy, I think, is a little more. Uh, dialogue driven and a little more character driven right less reliant on visual gags more reliant yeah. on like characterization although i mean there it's, it still has a couple of, yeah like there are some like physical comp like broad physical yeah gags yeah like old men uh falling down hills in their wheelchairs <laughs> bob yeah bob yeah bob bob is uh sean's stepdad and, uh-huh. and he's like a victim of elder abuse elder abuse uh, <laughs> which doesn't get mentioned in the movie at all uh the only person who mentions it is like uh dana ivy who's uh-huh. uh, gary marshall's wife right. in the film uh from from Home Alone 2, by yeah. the way. Um, Dana Ivey is Broadway like, veteran. Yeah, yeah. I, I've only ever seen her in, like, Home Alone 2. I don't know her from thing. anything else yeah. besides Home Alone 2. Right. Which is a movie I've seen a lot. Yeah. Um, She's the front desk clerk. Yeah. At the hotel. Yeah, the concierge. Um, actually, I don't know. I don't remember who the concierge was. That might have been Tim Curry. But, um... Yeah, she she has a sort of uh, throwaway line when they're like leaving their house in disgust about like shame on you for treating an old man that way, which it's kind of funny. I mean, there's some choices with the the like humor in this and characterization that doesn't always work for me. Like most of the characters are not sympathetic at all, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that is because they're kind of like parodies of like these real archetypes of people, like the Catherine O'Hara character. Um, is like kind of a shitty person. Like she treats mm-hmm. her housekeeper like shit. Yeah. Um, uh, she's clearly an alcoholic, which doesn't make you a bad person, but just no. the the movie just kind of like I don't know. It doesn't really ever go too far to try and establish her as being like a real person with like emotions or anything. She just kind of like is there to like embarrass Sean. That's like her right. entire purpose in the movie, which is kind of a bummer to me because like I think. Catherine O'Hare is like one of the five funniest people like who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and her character, like despite her playing them is like not super funny to me. Yeah. She, she's not really given a lot to do. Yeah. She, uh, I, I think her line delivery in this is pretty solid, but yeah, I mean, she's trying her best, but I just don't think the material, the, she's gives pretty, her, her character is pretty thinly written yeah, in this movie. Exactly. Uh, should we talk about the kind of how this movie starts? Like maybe the beginning yeah, of let's this do movie? It. Let's do it. So it, uh, it begins with a, uh, a prologue that kind of introduces us to Sean Brumder and uh, we kind of find out what his goals are and 
it sets up that he set to story of my life by uh, social distortion. <laughs> Socially, uh, uh, he uh, he kind of starts to because he's a like kind of a carefree surfer guy at the beginning of the movie, right? Right. Which I don't really buy Colin Hanks no, as definitely that. not. Like when they like I I always I, I always kind of forget about that part of his character. Uh, like at least the most recent times I've seen this movie, because I think of him, he's like a pretty good fit for the character. Um, yeah, because he kind of like does, a nerdy. Yeah, he does the Tom Hanks thing. He's yeah. very reminiscent of like a young Tom Hanks. Well, obviously, right? It's his dad, like bachelor party era. Uh, yeah, like he's got kind of the the slight dork, but still kind of <laughs> like has some charisma to him. Um, but yeah, like when they when they portray him in that like prologue scene uh it's it's a little weird like he's he's like kind of just an aloof like stoner guy and yeah. that doesn't really <laughs> i don't really think of colin hanks like that no. which i guess it's fine it's just a short little scene but right so yeah his character starts to kind of rethink what he wants to do with his life after his surfer friend dies in a surfing accident while trying to ride a, a tsunami wave yeah, R.I.P. Lonnie. Lonnie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, uh, I I feel like the friend being killed in, like, the first few minutes of the movie and that kind of being played for laughs would lead you to believe that the movie will get kind of dark at some point, like, have kind of a darker sense of humor than it ever really does. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty. It's pretty throwaway. It's just kind of that one little moment, yeah. and then it never. It doesn't really touch on it too much. Again, um, like the towards the end of the movie, they realize it's the uh, it's the anniversary of their friend's death, yeah. uh, and they like want to celebrate it, but they don't like. There's no like sort of like follow up gags about the friend dying or anything like right. that. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if the movie does a great job, uh, or I don't know if the that prologue does a great job of setting up where the movie goes, like, tonally. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I think it's just clearly meant to, like, show, oh, this is this little journey that our, that our character sort of went on. The movie's so short, and mm-hmm. there's some, like, sort of unnecessary, like scenes in the movie that i think you could have made a larger movie here not necessarily too much longer but like you could have you could have made a movie that started with Mm -hmm. colin hanks as that character and sort of showed his progression over time right um but instead it's just that prologue and Mm -hmm. then the rest is like a day and a half yeah should should we talk about uh how this movie is set in orange county Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I did find out that none of it was actually filmed in Orange County. Right. Which I found interesting, because Orange County is so close to uh, L.A. and Hollywood that, like, it seems weird that they just wouldn't. But, uh, I mean, they filmed a lot of it in, like, Malibu and Pasadena, uh-huh. um, which is fine. Like, I never <laughs> I never really realized it wasn't set in Orange County <laughs> the entire time until, like, yesterday when yeah. I watched it. Um, but... It does strike me as a little weird that they that they didn't film there, right. um, but yeah, I mean, we we kind of have 
a, a slight history. It, yeah, in, intimate relationship with Orange County. Um, we both went to high school there. Yeah, we yeah. went both went to a high school in Orange County. Yeah, at the time this movie was released. Right, right. So like we would have been like freshmen um, when this movie came out in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both interdistrict transfers. We we didn't live in Orange County, but we yeah. both went to a school there. Yeah, um, and that was where we met. We lived a, a city over. Yeah, Long yeah. Beach. Yeah, just just across the county line mm-hmm. in LA County. Um, so, like our school was very close to LA County, but there was definitely still like the air of Orange County about it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this this movie was kind of the first pop culture representation of Orange County that I definitely think I have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, like the very next year, you had the OC on Fox, which was a huge hit. But like when we were in high school, like seeing a movie about the place we like spent five days every week, yeah, was good, kind of interesting. I kind of feel like Orange County. Uh, gets off kind of easy in this movie. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they could have. Maybe, maybe it's a place and time thing. They could have gotten a lot more into the kind of like political and mm-hmm. uh, shittier aspects of Orange County, which exists. Um, <laughs> now they do kind of like broadly portray like. His parents and like the way they speak to like housekeepers housekeeper. and stuff like that. Re- real quick before we go any further, just about the uh, the scene with Catherine O'Hara and uh, the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Now, I never took Spanish uh, in high school. I don't. I don't know any kind of Spanish really. But the when the housekeeper speaking Spanish, that's not. The thing she's saying in the subtitles is not so what she's actually saying. I don't think so. Because okay. there's one scene where she says, like, one word. Uh-huh. And in the subtitles, it's, like, a, like several sentences of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it was written for comedic purposes. Okay. Like Interesting. Where Colin Hanks is, like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll raise your... We'll bump your salary. Yeah. And she says... Like one word, mm-hmm. but it says underneath what she's saying, uh, like, so you'll give me time and a half on weekends, even though she says like one syllable. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And I kind of figured that that was just like a studio note. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really even pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they kind of go into the like, oh, people are rich and assholes here. Yeah, but that's a it's it's about only surface level. Um, like a lot of the teens are like just kind of like aloof. Um, yeah, or rich. Like they're just kind of kooky. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and then and then like his best friends are just kind of like stereotypical surfer bros. Yeah, right, right. Like. Uh, like all the characters in this movie are essentially like, uh, like characters you'd see in a comedy sketch, like mm-hmm. pretty one note. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, totally. It, like, yeah, totally. Like just um, something that could be, you know, simply described in like one sentence. Like, like oh, 
uh, Tanya <laughs> is the uh, uh, which character is Tanya again? Tanya is the the friend that was Lonnie's girlfriend. Oh, they get they like gets slut, blackmailed. They like slut shame. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, so all the characters basically have, like, this one characteristic and nothing nothing more. Right. Like, Catherine O'Hare, her character is, uh, she has a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Black, his character is a parolee. Yeah, and stoner. Stoner, yeah. Um, John Lithgow, who plays Sean's dad, um, his parents are divorced, uh, is just, like, a business guy. Right. Yeah, he's it's just, like, just, on the phone making deals and stuff and, like, stressing yeah, out about business. Yeah, short-tempered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not very nuanced characters. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, like, stuff they could have potentially done with mm-hmm. sort of Orange County stereotypes of people that, you know, live there. Especially if you go deeper into Orange County, which yeah. the movie seems to take place in, like, Newport Beach, mm-hmm. which is... Like, where the OC takes place. Yeah. And the OC, I mean, not being a great show, never shies away from, like, really diving into the sort of, like, socio-political aspects of Orange County, which is kind yeah. of one of the things that makes that show kind of, like, a fun watch. Yeah. Even though it's really stupid. Right. Yeah, so this movie never really... uh you know, targets like uh, upper class shallowness, I guess, right. the way that you might hope it would. Right. I mean, because even Sean is, is, you know, seems to have fairly rich parents. Obviously, um, his mom remarries Bob, who mm-hmm. they establish as being like a rich guy uh, at one point. And then John Lithgow is like a business guy Uh and they both have like these huge, nice houses and he's our, he's our hero in the movie. Um, and (laughs) and the movie, the movie never really touches on, on any kind of like, like you might think based on this movie that it would be like, Oh, here's the like one not so rich kid in this rich kid area. And he doesn't like, you know, all of his peers who are too uppity and snobby, but he's really just like one of them. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to sympathize with this kid whose parents are wealthy enough to donate a building to Stanford. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That, that happens at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really get into all that stuff. Orange County is just the setting. That's about, yeah. that's about it really. I yeah. mean, it, it and, doesn't, it doesn't really do too much with it. Yeah. And I don't really know, like, where specifically in Orange County it's supposed to, I think, supposed to take I think place. Newport Beach. Oh, okay. kind of I mentioned. was thinking, like, maybe Laguna or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's close. Yeah. So, I, I, I think they, I think I remember them mentioning Newport Beach, and they, I think they mentioned Irvine at one point, too. Ah. So, um, it was shot in uh, West Hills in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the beach scenes are the beach scenes are Malibu. I know that. Yeah. And then the Stanford stuff is Pasadena. Right. Yeah. And the high school is Diamond Bar, like near Pomona. Oh, okay. The yeah. futuristic looking high school. <laughs> Weird looking high school. Yeah. I mean I guess I guess maybe that's that's part of like they want you to think like, oh, Orange County is this like uh, wealthy area based on the high school, but yeah. like, 
like you know we went to school with a lot of like wealthy kids and yes. a lot of assholes yeah um we have opinions about people who live in Orange County. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> uh, but our high school definitely did not look like that. No, despite, it was a pretty like standard looking high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the, that high school that is in Orange County was also used in uh, the Cell, the <laughs> Jennifer Lopez movie, the, the futuristic Sing, Tarsum Sing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> I was thinking at. At times, that the the high school kind of looked like some of the sets from Imposter, which were meant to look like Blade Runner. Right, <laughs> like it seems like something school. they would have used in Imposter. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Weird architecture, uh, strange choice, but I guess I guess it does kind of hammer home the point that it's like a wealthy area that something this like strange and expensive looking would exist there. Right. But I guess because we live so close to Orange County, like, at least I thought, like, oh, this doesn't look like anywhere that I know in Orange County. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess we should probably start to get into the the plot, right? Like, where, like, kind of how this movie starts. Sure, yeah. Let's do it. So the first, like, 25 minutes, we meet a lot of characters, like you said. We meet uh, Catherine O'Hara, Jack Black, and then we also see a lot of uh characters at sean's high school mm-hmm. like we the uh principal chevy chase yeah is chevy a... chase the principal i thought he was a teacher no he's the principal because okay. it, it's like a it's like a student body meeting oh right that's like why they're in his office and he's discussing the fundraiser yeah the fundraiser and they're trying to figure out who to speak at get to speak at graduation yeah. So Sean like floats Tony Morrison, yeah, and then because um, she's going to be in town, she's going to be in town for a book signing, uh, and then uh, Chevy Chase is more interested in trying to get Britney Spears, who yeah. would have been like the biggest star <laughs> on the planet at this time, uh, because he's horny. Yeah. That's the joke. And then Chevy Chase isn't in the rest of the movie. No, he so, never appears again in the movie. Yeah, so he showed up for one day of work. Probably took him like. <laughs> An hour, maybe two, <laughs> and probably got paid a decent amount because yeah. MTV was footing the bill. Um, yeah. What was Chevy Chase doing at this time? Chevy Chase, I mean, because this uh, would have been a couple of years after Vegas Vacation. Vegas Vacation, I think it was 98. 98. So the last Griswold movie. Yeah. Um, until the, like, Ed Helms remake years later. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it was definitely not... Not not a great time for Chevy Chase. Yeah, I mean he he was he's in that zone at this time. I would say where he yeah. can just show up and things people will be like, oh, I know him. Yeah, and then that's that. So yeah, I guess perfect for this sort of cameo. Um, weird choice to make him horny for Britney Spears, <laughs> who is very close to the same age as um, like the, the students. students. But you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I can't remember if I mentioned yet if I watched the commentary for this, but I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jake Kasdan said, oh, I can't believe we got Chevy Chase for this scene. Like, they were really excited yeah, to get Chevy it. Chase. <laughs> I can believe it. Because he, he, I think I think he'll do a lot if you pay him. <laughs> right. At this time. So, yeah. They, uh, they're, they're just showing us uh, the school. They're mm-hmm. showing us all of his... This is weird sort of uh, group of friends and people that he's acquaintances with. Um, And then it's revealed that, like, today is the day that everyone's going to 
find out if they got into their schools. Into the, the colleges they yeah, applied for. Yeah, I don't for. know why this is all happening, like, on one day. Right. And everyone's getting their letters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sean's in, Sean's in class. Yeah, um, his English class, His right? English class. His English teacher is played by Mike White, who mm-hmm. I think is actually, like... My favorite performance. Pretty in the funny. Movie. In this. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's funny. It's a it's a funny little scene. He he plays an English teacher that may or may not be illiterate, <laughs> uh, which is like again, it's of, it's like a comedy sketch. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's like kind of a funny joke. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not like super nice to anyone who might be actually illiterate, but <laughs> still like kind of funny in the context of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, Tanya, one of his classmates, who uh, has kind of a moment later in the movie, um, finds out she gets into Stanford. So Sean freaks out, calls his brother Lance at home, who's played by Jack Black, uh-huh. and uh, asks him to get the mail. Jack Black, who's uh, his character, is a big stoner in the movie. They they set up during the prologue. He's perpetually recovering from the night before. Yeah. So he's like super groggy. He's like ninety percent asleep when he calls uh-huh. him, uh, and like doesn't really know what's going on. Right. Because he's like, "What? Sean's not here." <laughs> Jack Black, kind of good in this movie. Uh, I would I would say Jack Black's good in this movie. Yeah. You yeah. know. I feel like that's kind of an easy thing to say. He's he's but usually pretty good, even yeah. in bad movies. Like right before we recorded, we had Envy on because yeah. it was just on TV. And Envy's like a bad movie, like a categorically bad movie, yeah, very bad. Um, but even even in that, like Jack Black had like two <laughs> moments that kind of made us <laughs> chuckle, <laughs> just just saying stuff. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I mean, Jack Black, I guess, is like kind of the cheat code for your comedy, right? Um, it's a it's a weird Jack Black performance though, because it's it's like half muted, and then later, like as the day goes on, he like yeah. gets on coke, and yeah. all of a sudden he's super wired and he's very energetic and kind of like you it, know a, ver- a a slightly darker version of the Jack Black uh-huh. you you know. Um, it's like each scene he's on a different drug. Like he right. switched. Right. Which I, <laughs> that's like a nuance I didn't really pick up on in like 2002. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think like at the time, like, you know, I'm ninth grader or whatever. I wasn't really thinking yeah. about him being on like speed and like cocaine and all this <laughs> stuff, <laughs> which, which can be some pretty serious drugs. Yeah. Uh, and like yeah. back then I was like, oh, is he just like. Do you drink a beer or something? He's a weed guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know weed. Yeah. But then we watch it now and he, he like, Sean's like, oh, I got to get to Stanford. And uh, Lance, you know, Jack Black is like, well, I get you there in three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He gets you from Orange County to Palo Alto. Right. Like that. And he's like swerving in traffic yeah. and stuff like that. Um we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he gets Lance to check the mail. Lance mm-hmm. doesn't really understand what's going on. Eventually gets him to work his way to the door, sees it, uh, tells him the mail's here. Sean rushes home mm-hmm. to check his acceptance letter. Yeah. Which, of course, is there because everyone gets them on the same day. Right. Yeah, like uh, Sean Brumder, Sean, he jumps like down a stairwell, right? And I can't remember which song is playing. 
at that moment, but I remember that there's a lot of really good songs in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's when I say really good, I just mean like very like 2001, or I'm sorry, like 2002 uh, songs. Yeah, it's it's definitely got one of those soundtracks. The Offspring, that, maybe? Uh, Offspring's definitely on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it's definitely got one of those soundtracks that really like takes me back. Um, because obviously the, the, the end credits have Phantom Planet, who was like one of my favorite bands in 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, but you've also got like Cake on there, the Offspring. The Cake, Cake song is the opening credits. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the, this, the, the big repeated song in the movie is Butterfly by Crazy Town, (laughs) which is not really like one of those songs for me. Um, but it was a huge song at the time. Um, but like, yeah, really, I think like Pete Yorn's on the soundtrack. So really solidifies this as like a time capsule movie. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so Sean, uh, he, he rushes home. He, he opens up his letter that he gets from Stanford and, you know, he's, he's really excited because he's sure that he's going to get in, but of course he's rejected. I I think it'd be funny if he did get he in. Did get in, and the movie it was, was like over. A Thirty minute movie, <laughs> not even. I think that's like fifteen minutes, like a twenty minute movie. Uh, just a short film about like a morning in that guy's life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he doesn't get in. Um. So he uh he goes to see his uh his guidance counselor. Guidance counselor, who they have like college counselor on her like little placard outside mm-hmm. her office um which i think is weird because that's not a title that i think exists at most high school maybe at this futuristic high school it does mm-hmm. but her job solely seems to be like sending transcripts to schools and right. advising you like where to apply um but the character's played by you know another comedy legend uh lily tomlin mm-hmm. in like what like one uh, another she's i guess got two scenes she's got one yeah. scene in the in the, like little prologue where she tells right. him he's a shoe in yeah and then he shows back up at the office after getting the rejection letter yeah. and she's like i don't know who you are <laughs> yeah because she tells him that he doesn't need like to apply to a safety school right right because he's a shoe in yeah and then uh and then he goes and 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 she's like i don't know who you are she, he tells her, I'm Sean Brumder. I'm the class president. Um, and then she types in the wrong name yeah. into her computer, like she, Shane Bremder or something uh, like that. Yeah, she pulls up the records and she's like, oh, well, your GPA is way too low. Yeah. And yeah. your SAT scores are way too low. Mm-hmm. And he looks closer and he's like, well, that's not me. That's Sh- Shane Brainerd. Yeah. Okay. Shane yeah. Brainerd. Yeah. <laughs> Shane Brainerd. So, uh... She sent the wrong transcript in. That's the implication. Um, then they cut to a little, like, flashback of, like, a really, like, stoner guy getting an acceptance letter uh-huh. to Stanford. Which is a weird scene because you're like, why would he even be getting an acceptance letter? Because, <laughs> like, why would this guy have even applied? And he has, like, a little throwaway line just to explain that scene. Yeah. Which is just, like, I applied as a joke. But, yeah. like, it costs money to apply Yeah, schools. like, he probably would have had to pay, like, a hundred bucks to At apply. At least. As yeah, a joke. Probably more yeah. for Stanford. So, that's <laughs> a weird scene. But, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess worth it for the, like... Uh, gag but right uh and then they cut back and sean's like 
freaking out. He realizes what's happened, and then he like kind of like puts his arms. He like starts to assault Lily Tomlin, not not like he's just kind of like shaking her, but like yeah, like what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then she like yeah, he leans towards the camera and says, "You sent in the wrong transcript." Transcript. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very Tom Hanks delivery yeah. on that one. Um, which I've got some thoughts on, okay. which I'll get into a little okay. later. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and then she, she has like, I guess her big comedy moment, which is where she like knees him and like kind of does like a very like white person haya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like meant to be like, oh, she takes like self defense classes or something uh-huh. like that. Um, and then, so Sean gets, like, kneed in the ball, and then she, like, runs out of the office yelling, like, red alert or something like that. Uh-huh. We uh, a weird, weird ending to that scene. Um, yeah, after that, Sean, uh, basically goes, so he, he gets rejected. He goes to see Lily Tomlin, and she says, oh, well, this is why you got rejected, because your, you know, your GPA is too low, SAT scores are too low. And then he, I think, goes to see his dad, right? Yeah, he goes his to see biological his dad. dad. Yeah, played by John Lithgow, um, who is again not British, um, <laughs> even though even though I can swear that motherfucker's British. Um, but uh, he goes to see him. I don't really know what he expects John Lithgow to do. Uh, um, I think he wants money. But I don't know what the money would accomplish. I think he wants him to make a donation to Stanford, which okay. he ultimately does at the end. He of does the at movie. the end, but they don't really set that. They didn't. Really, yeah. They don't really explain it. He just goes to see his dad, and like I, I don't know if like gonna make a phone call or what. But like, yeah. and then his dad, he while he's there, he sees his stepmom, who's like in another like two scene performance, mm-hmm. uh, played by uh, Leslie Mann. Mm-hmm. Um, Sort of like, I guess pre-stardom because this was after Big Daddy, but yeah. uh, but before like the Apatow movies and stuff, right? Like she'd been around at that point. Yeah, like, yeah she was in stuff, but yeah, yeah. like I'd rec- like she was in the Cable Guy, which I first saw oh, her right. in, sure. in Big Daddy. Um, but uh, yeah, not not a huge star at this point, right? Right. Um, another, you know, like another, like that's the thing about this movie because it has so many like comedy legends, but then it also has just people like that who would then go on to mm-hmm. sort of like better things and bigger mm-hmm. things. Uh, so loaded cast, really. Yeah, but again, like I feel like everybody is so like one-dimensional in this movie yeah like they, totally. they're not given a whole lot to yeah do. she she's clearly written as like sort of the young trophy wife for lithgow um yeah. there's like a scene where like a gardener is like massaging her mm-hmm. and john lithgow sees it and he's like what the fuck and <laughs> or uh, she's like rubbing his uh, leaf blower with her foot that's right <laughs> yeah he's massaging her and then she starts rubbing his leaf blower like it's a dick uh-huh. um so that's that scene. Um, uh, yeah, uh, when I I watched the commentary for this, Mike White said that uh, pretty much after every scene, he was like, oh, this scene was meant to be a lot longer. Yeah, I, I definitely get the sense that there's a different version of this movie that existed in his head. Yeah. Um, and you said 
he kind of even seemed a little disappointed in the movie, like, during the commentary. Yeah, in the commentary, he seemed, like, he didn't have a whole lot to say, like, like, uh, like, there was a lot that was cut out or trimmed down. Right. Like, each scene probably would have had more, like, character moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which, and I would say that's, that's kind of like a Mike White sort of calling card, is he has kind of like these bizarre comedic like setups with these like humanistic characters Mm -hmm. so um yeah this is this is kind of a weird one then so when this movie came out there was a lot uh, written about the uh the nepotism factor here like you had colin hanks who was tom hanks's son uh jake kasdan who's the son of uh lawrence kasdan uh skylar fisk daughter of Sissy Spacek and Jack Fisk. Uh, what, what did you know about, uh, you know, these folks before Orange County? Uh, I mean, it was definitely the, my introduction to all three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, in 2002, I wasn't really thinking about like nepotism as a concept. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it plays a factor, um, it's a huge deal in Hollywood in general. Um, like, I mean, it has been forever. You look at like someone like Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Tony Curtis and, you know, Janet Jamie. Lee. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely a thing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. Obviously it's, it's not great. Um, Skylar Fisk, who's like fine, I guess in this movie, like, never really had much of a career after this um no. she's like in a hallmark movie i think most recently mm-hmm. uh so you know i mean i think sometimes kind of sorts itself out but yeah yeah i mean definitely definitely this movie is a product of nepotism now jake kasdan like that guy still has a decent career colin mm-hmm. hanks kind of just does less i think he just does stuff that he wants to do yeah um but like jake kasdan like he's doing the jumanji movies now mm-hmm. so he's he's pretty set um, yeah he's got like his own franchise right um like yeah skylar fisk i only knew from snow day yeah at this right. point yeah exactly oh yeah that's right yeah. okay so i knew her from snow day right okay and colin hanks i'd never seen in anything before no no i just like who's this kid that looks just like tom hanks uh-huh. yeah and Jake Hasden, I was familiar with because I'd seen Zero Effect. I'd seen Zero Effect, but mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that it was him who directed mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he'd worked on like Freaks and Geeks and like other Apatow shows, like Undeclared, I think. Okay. But uh, Zero Effect, I rewatched last week, and uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it holds up. I have not seen that movie since, like, the DVD days. Yeah. Like, 2001, 2002, right around this time. I think I liked it maybe more or uh, maybe just as much as Knives Out, which it reminded me a lot of. 
Really? It has a similar vibe. Interesting. Nobody talks about Zero Effect. That's not no. a movie anybody remembers. Yeah. Maybe um, re- Yeah. If you're listening to this, go rewatch it. And watch Zero it's, Effect. I mean, we're giving listeners a lot of homework between yeah. this and... <laughs> okay. First, you got to watch Imposter. Watch Imposter. So, good luck with that. Then, you got to watch Orange County. And then, now we want you to watch Zero Effect, which Zero is effect. not something we're going to do a podcast and, on. And, but then, next week, you got to come back and you got to do yeah. Snow Day or Snow Dogs. Yeah. So, and Snow Day. And Snow Day, because we talked about that. That one too so and chuck and buck and chuck and buck which is that on, one, that one's good on tubi chuck and buck on tubi okay <laughs> Tubi with ads i don't uh-huh. like Tubi. i'm not a, <laughs> i'm not a fan of any like give me the option to pay like five bucks a month to skip the ads but Tubi like just doesn't do it they're like saying no it's it's free and you're gonna like that it's free yeah but you're gonna watch these ads if you want to watch like um that Jamie Lee Curtis movie uh, <laughs> directed by <laughs> directed by Catherine Bigelow. Why can't I think of the name? Oh, uh, Blue Steel. Blue Steel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you want to watch Blue Steel, you got to watch it with it's ads. It's the only way that movie is available. Yeah, that movie you can't rent anywhere. Oh, really? You can only watch you it on Tubi. You can only watch that movie on Tubi, or at least yeah. a few months. Blue ago. Blue Steel is pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. cop movie. Yeah, Bigelow Bigelow uh, rocks. Yeah. I I watched Chuck and Buck on Tubi mm. like a week or week and a half ago, and uh, with ads. And every time it cut to an, cut to an ad, it was the same ad, and it was like a uh, a Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin ad for okay. uh, I think Tide maybe. Oh God! <laughs> that see that's like the YouTube channel I watch like movie trailers on. It has. Like right, like what? Whenever you watch movie trailers on there, it's uh-huh. this exact same fifteen second ad before uh-huh. the trailer. So like, I I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch like ten trailers, but I'll get the same like Mastercard ad <laughs> with like you know um, the Aretha Franklin movie a Respect, like mm-hmm. little commercial before, and it's just like by like movie number eight or nine of like these trailers I'm watching, I'm just like about to lose my mind because of this <laughs> stupid ad. Yeah. Yeah. So I would keep seeing this ad in like in between scenes for Chuck and Buck with uh Stone Cold Steve Austin and I think Ice T and I kept thinking, Oh, this is probably not the way this was meant to be watched. <laughs> wrong wrong mood, yeah, wrong mood being struck. It's like watching a it's like watching a uh, Christopher Nolan movie like on yeah. a Nintendo Switch or whatever. Like he'd like have a brain aneurysm if you found out. <laughs> Like watching this dramedy uh, about like kind of childhood sexual trauma yeah. with ads in the middle with Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and Ice T. <laughs> Ice T rules. So yeah, let's be clear about that. But yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is probably probably uh, an odd way to experience it. Yeah. So Colin Hanks, what? How do you feel about Colin Hanks? in general and what do you think about him in in this movie um he's fine i think Mm -hmm. he's he's okay he's he's clearly got a lot of the same like sort of natural charisma that sort of boosted his dad Mm -hmm. at one time um like in his 80s comedies. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Colin Hanks hasn't really been able to sort of make the leap the way Tom did, obviously. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, Tom, like, 
if you if you go back into his filmography, it's kind of a weird transition where he goes from like being this kind of like teen comedy guy to the biggest actor on the planet and like yeah. your like ultimate leading man like archetype or whatever. Right. Because um, like what Turner and Hooch was not like a couple of years before like Philadelphia, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think like if you sort of look at those those like early 90s like tom hanks stuff it's like kind of a weird transition period um but like obviously he you know handled it and became this like sort of legendary actor um i don't think collins got that kind of those kind of chops i mean i think it would have happened by now if it was going to happen at all um i think he's fine in orange county it's Mm -hmm. like it's not a super deep role, obviously, but he is the only character written with any kind of, like, nuance or growth in the movie because it's mm-hmm. his movie. Um, and he's fine. Like, he sells it okay. Yeah. Um, a little broad at times, but I think that's just the way the movie is. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really... Honestly, have not seen Colin Hanks in too much stuff post Orange County. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember him. He had a character arc on like Mad Men season mm-hmm. two, maybe, um, where he played like a priest. So he was fine. Uh, the first season of Fargo, he's like fine in, mm-hmm. um, which a really good show. Well, the first couple of seasons are good. Um, but yeah, not, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have too many thoughts on Colin Hanks. I think he's fine. Yeah, other than that, I haven't really seen him in too much. I've never thought he was, like, like really good or really bad in anything, really. Yeah, I think he's just kind of, like, an online personality now. Like, he's just kind of like, hey, I'm famous, sort of. Yeah. Um, he, like, did his Tower Records documentary yeah. a few years ago, which I never saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Colin Hanks... Fine. Mm-hmm. Probably at this time didn't deserve to be a star of a movie, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, because he's in like he carries this movie, he's in every scene, yeah, pretty oh, much. yeah, yeah, he really is. Yeah. He's he's like, like we said, he's the only character that's really given a lot to do or mm-hmm. any kind of character arc, yeah, um, because like even at the end of the movie, like you don't really get a sense that anyone has changed. No. For the better or the worse. <laughs> Besides him, he's the mm-hmm. only one. Um, which is, I guess, fine, considering mm-hmm. the way the rest of the characters are written. It would be a little unbelievable if these, like, one-note characters, all of a sudden, like, Lance was like, I'm not going to be a stoner anymore or whatever. And you're like, why? <laughs> what in the last 24 hours has changed for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He he's fine in this. I think when I was watching it, I was I kind of had a thought that maybe somebody uh, with maybe more of like uh, a deadpan delivery might have been a better choice when they're going up against characters with like big personalities in some of these scenes. Yeah, he's a little like overly earnest. Yeah, a little sitcommy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know that's kind of a shitty thing to say about somebody's performance, but <laughs> uh, no, I, th- I think I yeah, mean, that a little like sells the tone though. Like that's yeah. kind of how it is. It's written a right. little like it's not. It's not nearly like as bad as like the Chuck Lorre sitcoms, like the Two and a Half Men <laughs> no. and stuff like that. But it's a little broad, like that. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think of people that 
might have been like a better choice at the time. And I couldn't think of too many people, but I thought of um, maybe Martin Starr, I thought of, because he'd been on Freaks and Geeks. Martin Starr would for sure be able to sell the like kind of condescending, I'm smarter than you yeah. attitude that like, Sean has. Yeah, like be able to do the dry comedy a little bit better. I don't I don't know if Martin Starr would have sold like having a girlfriend. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean cuz it is it is like kind he, of a tough character because he he's also like like he said the right. class president. He's like kind of the big man yeah. on campus. He would have had to have been like the popular kid at one point and mm-hmm. then like the nerdy more introverted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but, I don't know who would have pulled that off. Yeah. Um, I now that now that we kind of like talk it out, I, I, it is a difficult character to pull <laughs> off. So maybe I give him a little more yeah, credit. He, yeah, he's in every scene of this movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think most of the movies, most of the problems with his character would be attributed to the movie's kind of inconsistent tone. Yeah. So yeah, you and I have never carried an eighty-minute movie. That's true. I could never. I could never. I'm a terrible actor, which is funny because, like, I don't know. This is maybe like a an esoteric thought, but like, mm-hmm. like acting seems not difficult. Like, like in my head, like it's yeah. just like, oh, I know to just say what's written or whatever. But I something about it, I can't sell it, which is why, like, a lot of people like poo-poo actors or whatever for being like. <laughs> You know, not super talented or, or like weirdo artists up their own ass, like Christian Bale. But like, there is obvious, and obviously, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you agree. But like, there is a level of talent that's involved, and so like, yeah, I, I could never carry an 80 minute movie. <laughs> I couldn't carry like an eight minute movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could. <laughs> it's I, you remember our short films. I don't sure. think I could. Yeah, we've made shorts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not oh. as bad an actor as, like, our friend Brian. Yeah. He's the worst actor. Bri- Brian's seen. got charm. <laughs> I've cast Brian and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. I've seen yeah. all your stuff. Also in this movie is Jack Black. Right. Yeah. We like Jack Black. I think we I think we can agree there. Um, he's fine. It's not it's not one of his best performances, but I think no. a lot of that's just how the character's written. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Black 
as we sort of said before, just kind of naturally can carry um, a movie a little bit when he's on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where was this in Jack Black's career? Because I feel like I first noticed him like Leslie Mann. I saw him in The Cable Guy for the first time. Uh, and he would pop up in things from time to time in the 90s. Like he was in Mars Attacks and The Jackal and Enemy of the State and uh the jackal's a great one oh yeah because he gets shot by that gun he gets his arm arm gets shot off yeah um well okay so i think high fidelity is kind of his clear sort of breakthrough performance Mm -hmm. um the very next year he had a little bit bigger role saving Mm -hmm. silverman uh, oh yeah 2001 Mm -hmm. which is a terrible movie Mm -hmm. um really bad very I, i watched that like last year again um but that movie, that's another movie, though. That has its fans. Uh, I would not count really? myself among them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I knew that. Yeah, that movie does. It has. I it know has, Travis likes Saving Silverman. Yeah, Travis does like Saving Silverman. But there are fans. I, I can think of some people I, I follow on, like, Twitter that uh, kind of wax, uh, wax fondly about that movie. Um, mm. I do not. I think it's bad. But uh, Jack I, Black does have, like, the funniest parts in that whole movie <laughs> still. <laughs> The nacho line. Yeah. If you, yeah. If, yeah, it's one nacho. Um, <laughs> 2001 also had, I think, probably his first lead performance, Shallow yes. Hal. Shallow Hal would have been his first yeah. leading man role. Right, right. And that, that was with the Fairley brothers. Yeah. Um, Which I, I kind of enjoyed at the time. I'm sure if we rewatched it now, it would not hold up. Yeah, some of the Fairly Brothers stuff. Like, I love their 90s output. Um, uh, And for the most part, actually, I think a lot of that stuff holds up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, Weirdly, I think their stuff after, like, 2000 is where you get into, like... (laughs) Like, Me, Myself, and Irene. Me, Myself, and Irene obviously, like, really uh, fumbles the bag when it comes to, like, mental illness and mental health. Yeah, and racial. Yeah, it's... Uh, Racial, too. Yeah, that movie's got some stuff. It's not good. Um, uh, Shallow Howl, (laughs) I feel like maybe it's hard is in kind of the right place but at the same time it definitely doesn't shy away from making like fat jokes and stuff no um also that movie had like tony robbins in it which is weird tony robbins is like a confirmed uh like uh scam artist so um yeah Yeah. and then 2002 would have been Orange County, right? Like, just a couple months after Orange Shout County, Out. And then he had a voice in Ice Age a few months later. Oh, right. Which we'll yeah. cover. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is, this is right at sort of the, the, the beginning of yeah. Jack Black, the movie he, star. He was pretty much, like, about to be a big star at this point. Right, right. Yeah. And I think School of Rock, like, the next year is really where that, like... Was confirmed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's another collaboration with Mike White. I think they're mm-hmm. neighbors, is what I read. Yeah, they are neighbors. I don't know if they're still neighbors. Maybe but not. Yeah, at one yeah. point they were neighbors. So they're friends. Yeah. And obviously collaborators. Um, what do you think is Jack... Black's most beloved movie. Would you do you think it's School of Rock? Because that's what I kind of think. I think yeah. I think if you yeah. were to sort of just 
pull everybody. Uh, School of Rock, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kung Fu Panda. Oh, yeah. Um, wouldn't be my... I mean, I think I think mine would be High Fidelity, for sure. Yeah, um, definitely High Fidelity, I think, is his... That's at least my favorite Jack Black performance. Mm-hmm. It's Barry. Barry, uh, yeah. Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. Mm-hmm. This is band. Um... <laughs> Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think School of Rock is definitely the number one. I haven't watched it in a little while. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's still pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, it's not a movie like I think of as like, oh, I got to rewatch this. It's not like one of like my <laughs> annual rewatches. Yeah. I haven't seen School of Rock in probably like 15 years yeah. at least. I think um, a lot of people do though. Think of yeah, it as... Yeah, yeah. It, it has that appeal for yeah. a lot of people, which is cool. Like, I think it's good. I think it's fine. Yeah. Because we were like, what, 16 at the time? Mm-hmm. We probably thought we were a little little darker than yeah. that. <laughs> a little, a little edgier. Cool for, yeah. Because um, it's like kind of a family friendly. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, even though it's a Linklater thing, it, it's, it's definitely Linklater going like for mass appeal. But like, I think even at the time, I would have told you the School of Rock's good. Just, yeah. Just maybe like not cool enough for me to, to like count as a favorite movie. And right. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I still think that way, <laughs> but, but, but without maybe the pretension, I just haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. So this was like right as Jack Black was becoming a big star. Yeah. We should probably start to talk about like where the the movie goes, like as it kind of gets into the the middle section yeah yeah so they um they uh decide to blackmail tanya which is their classmate right um by uh slut shaming her which Mm -hmm. is that's that's maybe one of the the like parts that like holds up the worst (laughs) the least yeah uh they're just like oh wow she has like promiscuous sex she's awful Uh or whatever yeah. Um, so men they, and women. Yeah, men and women. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's like, oh my god, she had sex with a woman. Um, I can't imagine that was in the Mike White original. No, that feels like a script. studio note. Like they need like a some, Scott Rudin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, note. Yeah. Scott Rudin is like the mega producer who produced this movie. Who I think yeah. has been outed as like a terrible human being. I don't know. Just if like a bad boss. Yeah, yeah. Just a piece <laughs> of shit. I don't think like anything too nefarious, but um, just really mean. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they they have to blackmail her because her grandparents, and this is set up very loosely. Uh, her grandparents are, or her grandpa, uh, played by Gary Marshall, is on the like board of admissions uh-huh. uh, for Stanford. Interesting. Like, why? Why does he? I, I don't know. Why does this guy live in yeah. like Newport Beach or the, whatever? The big plot turns in this movie make no sense. They're they're all very. I have a note that we'll uh-huh. get into in a few minutes when we get yeah. there in the plot. But it, it's like an astounding thing about this movie where so much happens because it simply has to happen in yeah. the movie as opposed to feeling like something that could be actually happening. Mm-hmm. And that's like just another one of them. Like, oh, he just happens to be on the board of admissions for the one school mm-hmm. Sean wants to go to. Uh-huh. And again, this is another movie kind of like accepted from a couple of years later where community college doesn't really seem to like <laughs> exist in this universe. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. So they invite uh, Gary Marshall 
and his wife, uh-huh. played by Dana Ivey from uh-huh. Home Alone 2, mm-hmm. over to their house so that he can have a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, because Tanya says that this made her really upset yeah. because they blackmailed her. Yeah. And, and I guess Gary Marshall and Dana Ivey's characters are aware that Sean's wrong transcripts were yeah. sent in. Yeah. They're, they were, they were given sort of the rundown, I think by Tanya. Yeah. Um, which and, in a real world situation that like that could all be so- solved with a phone call. Totally. And and like they don't have to like make the trip that they make no. either. They could have just called the and, admissions office and like explained <laughs> the situation that way. But and Lily Tomlin would have been in a lot of trouble for like privacy violations. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or she would have at least tried to like make amends. But I yeah. mean the movie writes her character as being this kind of like forgetful person yeah. so a again brought a broad stereotype yeah. of the character so they have gary marshall and dana ivy over to their house but then you know, sort of through the throughout the course of the meeting things like start to unravel like uh catherine o'hara gets drunk mm-hmm. um lance shows up and wants his pissed uh and i think based on your laughter that's like that's like your favorite line in the whole movie i guess that's my piss. favorite part of the movie is where uh jack black's character lance brumder he he's a parolee and he has to you know occasionally send in urine samples to prove again that he's... not how they would do that no <laughs> they would not trust anyone to just like Send yeah. in some urine he and needed, have it be... He needs clean urine to send in, and he yeah. misplaces it, and he comes out... Yeah, which earlier in the movie, he asked Sean for. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's the, like, the setup to the... And to he this. comes out when Sean's, like, trying to have this important meeting with... He's in his underwear, too. Shirtless and yeah, his yeah. tidy whities Yeah, he comes out, and he's like... Has anybody seen my piss? <laughs> Which, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say it's the best line in the movie. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's the most highbrow, but... <laughs> I mean, that's... See, it that's, makes me laugh. That's the kind of thing where Jack Black can sell a line <laughs> like that. Because I think if, like, the characters were flipped in, Colin Hanks was asking that for some reason. It probably wouldn't be that funny. Yeah. It would just be like, oh, that's Colin Hanks asking for some piss. But Jack Black knows just the right amount of, like sort of uh uh mustard to give it mm-hmm. and then and then bob like bob's head starts bleeding again <laughs> and then they like well that oh yeah bob's head uh does that happen in that scene uh well they see that his head is bleeding he starts uh banging on the glass window right pain pills. he needs his pills and then they see that he's bleeding from his right. head right um, because earlier a vase had been dropped on his head. Again, another yeah. one of the like elder abuse jokes in the yeah. movie. Um, and then so they they like book it. They're like, "Oh, you people are yeah. demented." Um, Gary Marshall and Dana Ivy. I think like in a real world scenario, if all that crazy stuff happened, like Gary Marshall and Dana Ivy would clearly see that like. It's not Colin Hanks's fault. Like, yeah, like they're they're like running away from him, like he's like a leper or something. <laughs> um, but like, because Gary Marshall's like, mark my words, you will never get into Stanford. Right. He's yeah. personally offended that all uh, this like crazy stuff happened. Yeah. Um, so that that plan backfires, um, and then uh, then Sean like just jumps in the pool, face yeah. down. Uh, one of uh, a couple visual nods to the graduate. I noticed. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, so slightly better movie than this is. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more yeah. the same. Uh, the other being the scene where Jack Black seduces uh, Jane Adams. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird scene. Too. Yeah, and it's shot uh, like uh, from his hip. from his hip. Yeah, so you yeah. see his leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they decide then to just drive to Stanford based on something Lance says, which is a weird decision that they're just like oh lance who is at this point jack black has turned up the volume on his performance because he's gone into coke yeah he's coked out so he's like way different than he was through like before this like before the piss scene like he was very like like lost and dazed is this Um, where he starts drumming on his stomach yeah because Oh, because during the meeting scene, he he asks where Bob's pain pills are. But I think right. Lance sold them to, like, a dealer or something yeah, like that. because he's got different pill bottles yeah. for different so he, drugs. He, 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 gives, uh, he gives Sean a pill to give to uh, Bob, and then he starts drumming on his stomach, which <laughs> we talked about as being, like, a, a, a big trailer moment yeah. for the movie. Um, and forever, again, forever ingrained in yeah, my brain. Again, for that, some that part is like funny to me. Like I, yeah. I laughed at that yesterday or two days ago when I watched this movie. Um, so yeah, they they decide to just drive there because Lance says, "Why don't we just go?" And uh, Lance, who's coked out, and they're just like, "Yeah, okay, I'll let you, uh, the guy currently high on like <laughs> cocaine or meth or both, yeah. uh, drive us to Palo Alto, which yeah. is like." Six hours from here, roughly. Yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. But Jack Black can get him there in three hours. That's what he says. You can get him there in three. So the next scene is them just kind of like booking it on the highway. Jack Black's driving super erratically. Um, somehow Skylar Fisk is like in the backseat asleep during all of this. Yeah. Despite him like swerving through yeah, traffic she's and stuff. Out. Yeah. Uh, so then they arrive to Stanford at like, what, like 1030? Yeah, like really late at night. This is the part of the movie that baffles me. Mm-hmm. The whole movie, like, the rest of the movie takes place basically at Stanford. And it's, like, fucking crowded. There's people walking around. Yeah. And, like, they go to, like, this office. They go to Harold Ramis's house. And then, then they're just, like, walking around campus. They go to a frat party. And there's people just, like, walking around. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, 8 o'clock. The movie treats, like, 11 p.m. Like, it's, like, 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. Right. It's really a weird, like, thing. They drive to Stanford. They go to the admissions office. Jane Adams is the front desk clerk. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, another character actress. She shows yeah, up in great stuff. actress. Uh, who I think is pretty good in this movie. She's uh, not in a whole lot, but... Yeah, no, no, no. She, again, not given a lot to work with, but she kind of yeah. makes the most of her scenes. Yeah. I, th- I'm i jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I like when her and Jack Black stroll out of the burning building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> holding hands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they go to the admissions office. Jane Abs is there, and she says, what did she say? We're, we're you know, nobody's here. Yeah, because we're closed. We're closed. It's, it's like 10, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. Colin Hanks and Skylar Fisk and Jack Black are like, well, what should we do now? And they all kind of part ways. Jack Black is like, well, let me take care of this. I got some ideas. And then Colin Hanks and Skylar Fisk go to Harold Ramis's house, right? Yeah, they look him up like in the directory and then just go to right. his house. Um, 
Jack Black, meanwhile, stays at the admissions office. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to break in. Yeah. And then he gets caught because he, like, stumbles through mm-hmm. the window. He thinks his objective is to acquire... He was going to, like, steal the list and just put Sean's name on it. Right. Know, which, I guess, is, is obviously, like, not a smart plan. But, like, I guess to someone who's super high, <laughs> it off. might seem like on a good drums. plan. Yeah. yeah. So, so that doesn't really bother me too much. So, obviously, he stumbles through the, like, window and falls. And so Jane Adams comes in. She's like, what are you doing here? And then Jack Black tries to, like, play it cool by, like, trying to seduce her. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because he, like, just pulls down his pants and exposes himself, which is yeah. definitely, like, a no-no. No-no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ob- obviously, it works because then they, like, yeah. have sex and then they get high. Because she's like, do you want me to call the police? And he says, do you want me to get naked and start the revolution? Right. And I think that was a trailer <laughs> A trailer moment, moment yeah, I think. For yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she's charmed by that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't see her charmed by it, but then the next scenes, that when they cut back to them, mm-hmm. they're, like... A post coital, post coital. Yeah, which is sort of <laughs> gross word, um, <laughs> but the way to describe it. And uh, yeah, so they 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 have had sex. They're stoned. Um, they're like smoking weed, mm-hmm. and then uh, they start a fire. Yeah. Like they they set the list on fire and then right. put it in a wasteband, and then the, it catches the, list the building of on fire. Accepted students. So yeah, they they burn they they accidentally burn the admissions building down. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of like shuffle out. Uh, and while this is happening, Sean and uh, Ashley, who's Skylar Fisk's character, mm-hmm. are at Harold Ramis's house, and he he lets them into his house, even though it's again like eleven p.m. <laughs> and these are people he doesn't know. Uh, he he's in the middle of. Packing for a vacation, yeah, with his going, family. They're going like on a, a tropical vacation. So. Yeah, Barbados. I don't know where they're. Uh, I can't remember Bali, where they're going. Bali, yeah, yeah. So, so they're like packing for vacation. It's like 11 p.m. He doesn't know who they are, but he he lets them in. He kind of relents, uh, explains the situation, and then um, Sean has to go out to his car to get the trans his transcript and. Uh, Harold Ramis asks to have an Excedrin, which Ashley mm-hmm. doesn't know is ecstasy. Yeah. In Lan- like one of yeah, Lance's ecstasy some, stash. Some ecstasy. Right. So when he starts to, he starts to roll, roll Molly. <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, that's like his sort of big comic <laughs> moment, yeah. uh, is like, Harold Ramis, high on ecstasy, as they try, they drive him to the admissions office um, so that he can put Sean's name on the list. And because he's high, he agrees to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then when they get there, they see that it's burned down. Right. um, By Jack Black. And then that's where you get the Ben Stiller cameo. That's where the Ben Stiller cameo comes in, because he's a a fire inspector, firefighter. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the scene cuts into him interrogating Jack Black, and he'd just spoken to Jane Adams, right? Who and gave, the story doesn't match. They don't yeah. match. So that's the joke, is that he's interrogating uh, Jack Black, and Jack Black starts to be like, oh, 
It was an electrical fire. Yeah. Or no, uh, not that. He said she burned it down because she hated her job. And then she said it was an electrical yeah. fire. And then he said, yeah, that's right. There were sparks <laughs> everywhere. I mean, Jack Black clearly doesn't like have his story straight. Um, it's kind of a funny scene. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it's fine. Uh, ben Stiller plays it pretty straight. Like he, mm. He's not doing a character. Anymore, no. Which I guess... I mean that is kind of the Ben Stiller thing is that he's the, like the straight man yeah. where wacky stuff happens to him, but in like you know cameo mode, I think Ben Stiller is a little more prone to going big, like yeah. especially like an anchor man like, two years later. Um, Como estas? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bitches. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, he it's it's like kind of he's just like a guy. I think is like funniest line or i guess like closest thing to a joke that he says is like when he calls jack black like portly on his radio because <laughs> he, he's in his walkie-talkie and yeah. he kind of like looks around and he's like portly yeah he like thinks about it he's like yeah. how should i describe it? he doesn't want to call him fat but he calls him portly yeah so it's calls, a fine cameo it's fine i guess yeah, yeah. but it, it's another it's another sort of pretty big deal little uh scene with most of these actors, like in this movie, have either one or two scenes, like for the most part. Mm-hmm. Catherine O'Hara has a few, obviously, because she's his mom. And then John Lithgow has like two or three. Yeah. But like. Lithgow kind of comes in towards the middle, I feel like. Yeah, right. You see him You see him early in the movie when Sean goes to him. Mm-hmm. He gets mad at him. Um, and then Lithgow kind of comes back later um, yeah. when Sean's at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then he, he has a couple more scenes. But for the most part, like, Chevy Chase, one scene. Lily Tomlin, one scene. Yeah. Uh, like two ben, scenes, but yeah, quick scenes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben Stiller, one scene. Um, Kevin Klein, who we haven't got to yet, has, right. like, two scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Klein plays Marcus Skinner, uh-huh. the, the writer. Yeah. Um, but let's, I guess, get there first. Harold Ramis gets taken, like, in an ambulance. Right. Yes. Uh, what I don't remember how he got in the ambulance. Like I know they. Go I don't. To the... re- I don't remember either. I just. I just watched this movie like twice. <laughs> Once with the commentary on. I, a lot of this stuff is not super memorable. It's no, because the movie is only an hour and twenty minutes long. Yeah. This podcast is probably going to be longer than. Yeah. The movie. Um, we apologize for that. Eh, I don't. <laughs> but. Uh, so this movie really like when it comes to like plot points and stuff it blows through them so quickly yeah um like not a lot that's probably intentional because if you think about it too hard you realize it makes no sense (laughs) yeah yeah after that i think sean like what like takes a depression walk Right. This is like pretty much the end of the movie, really. Yeah, we're almost like it's very close to the end. Yeah, Yeah. like he's uh, he's bummed out that he probably won't get into Stanford, and he kind of walks. I think he gets into a little fight with Ashley. Yeah, he has a fight with with Uh, Ashley, and uh, he he takes a little little walk around the campus because she basically says, "Oh, if you go to Stanford." This will be we'll, the end. We'll of basically us. have to break up. Yeah, because you'll yeah. be so far away. And he had—that's clearly like something that he hadn't even like thought about or considered. Right. 
Um, so he takes a walk around campus, and yeah. this is the part where I like noted that like <laughs> it's super funny that it's like eleven thirty at night, yeah. and there's so many people just like sitting around campus, like yeah, like studying and like talking at talking on benches and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I'm like yeah. that wouldn't happen yeah. in any college like town, I don't mm-hmm. think. But maybe maybe Palo Alto it <laughs> yeah. does. Um, he, he kind of slokes around the campus, and it's set to that Pete Yorn song. The Pete Yorn song. Yeah. 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 Which uh, really makes you realize when this movie came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a very too early 2000s. 2001, 2002. Touch. Yeah. Pete Yorn. Yeah. Pete Yorn is king. I, I've listened to that album, like, somewhat uh, recently. The... What's that album music called? For the morning music after. for the morning after. All written as one word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In lowercase. Kind of good. Kind of nostalgic. Yeah. I've uh, met P. Yorn. Brag. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, he sees this woman on his little his little depression walk. Um, talks to her briefly about uh, William Faulkner because she's reading William Faulkner again. Eleven p.m. and just going up to strangers asking them if they like William Faulkner. Um, <laughs> She's like, yeah, whatever, he's fine. And then she starts to walk away, and then I guess she's kind of, like, charmed by him. She invites him to, like, a frat party, or, like, not frat party, just a party on campus. Um, they go to it, and he tries to ask her again about William Faulkner, because he's, like, mm-hmm. obsessed with writing. And then she's like, I don't, I'm just going to read the cliff notes. And he's like, wait, what? I thought everyone at Stanford was, like, an intellectual, like, I yeah. want to be, or whatever. And then, um, then you get a little cameo from pre-fame Lizzie Kaplan here, yeah. um, as another girl at the party. And then, uh, Crazy Town by Butterfly comes mm-hmm. on again. Second time in the movie. Yeah. And they do the same dance as the cheerleaders earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sean's like, oh my God, the women here are just as dumb as Orange County. <laughs> like the movie doesn't really treat its women characters very well. <laughs> it's. They're they're all like super underwritten and to seem like sh- either shallow <laughs> or stupid or both. So then um, a little more underwritten than all the underwritten, all the other underwritten <laughs> yeah, characters, especially underwritten compared to the other characters. Yeah, he gets out of the party and he sees Ashley talking with uh, with uh, Kip, mm-hmm. played Kip. by played by Nat Faxon, one of the best characters in the movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's he's funny. He's playing, like, kind of like a doofy college guy <laughs> wearing, like, a big sweater. Um, Nat Faxon is, like, kind of a funny, like, little comic character actor who shows up and stuff. Works mm-hmm. a lot. Like, he does tons yeah. of voice work and stuff now. Um, he directs, like, most recently did Downhill uh, with Jim Rash, which was that, like, Will Ferrell uh, mm. remake of uh, uh, Force Majeure. Force Majeure, yeah. Yeah, so. Very good movie, I think. Force Majeure, not mm-hmm. Downhill. Not Downhill, no. no Force Majeure. Downhill was really bad. I've never seen it, but Force Majeure is quite good. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, the consensus seems to be that there was no reason for it to be remade, and especially, like, that movie, like, mm-hmm. I heard was pretty bad. But. Nap Axon shows up, your favorite actor in the movie. <laughs> One of. One of. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he gets jealous. Uh, right? Sean, Sean gets jealous. Sean gets jealous. When he sees Skylar Fisk and Nat Faxon. 
their characters uh, kind of talking. And he thinks that they might be a little flirty with each other. Right. Uh, right. And he's spying on them, correct? From, from the above. R- yeah, he's like a rooftop. poking his head out of a window. And then he uh-huh. like climbs out on the rooftop, sees them like down below. Again, I don't really know why he's on the rooftop, <laughs> but he is. Well, I know why. It's because he can fall off the roof. <laughs> yes, in front of them. And in she front can, of them. And she can ask, are you spying on me? Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, no. And then he's like, yeah, I was. Yeah. And then him, she, him falling off the roof is probably not one of the things that was in the original script. Probably not. Yeah, like one of those broad comedy moments. Yeah, like a pratfall. Um, Kip and Ashley go back inside the party after she gets mad at him for spying on her. Uh, Right, yeah, so he's walking around the campus and he sees Marcus Skinner, his, his idol, played by Kevin Kline, the, uh, pretty much the only Lawrence Kasdan regular in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, right. you know, his Jake Kasdan's father, you mm-hmm. know, I guess it's something of like a favor, probably possibly Lawrence yeah. Kasdan or whatever. Yeah. Kevin Klein, who was in big chill grand Canyon, you know, various, uh, Lawrence Kasdan films. Uh, he plays Marcus Skinner who, uh, who basically talks with Sean about his story, his story. His yeah. He gives story. him Sean in, in the prologue. It's the prologue is Sean writing a letter to Marcus Skinner right. about his story. And he, he, he also attaches a copy of the short story to the letter. Mm-hmm. So when we meet Marcus Skinner, Marcus Skinner has both read the short story and mm-hmm. remembers it. Yeah. So, so he's like, oh, yeah, I really liked it. And Sean's like, oh, fuck, cool, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and the story is called Orange County, right? It is. And, yeah. like, he talks about, like, the characters and stuff uh, Mark yeah. Skinner does. And it's like, oh, is his... I think the story is basically, like, kind of like a version of the movie. Right. Like, is kind of like what we're supposed to think. Yeah. Um, it's, like, about, like, all of the kooky characters that mm-hmm. live. Um, it's funny because, like, Marcus Skinner, like, at one point talks about how, how all the characters have, like, a deeper subtext. But this movie definitely <laughs> does no. not for, like, any of its characters. Yeah. Sean, basically, in this scene, comes to terms with yeah. all the issues he has with his family and, his, you know, his hometown. Right. Yeah, because... Because Kevin Klein's like, oh, yeah, all the great authors have complicated relationships with the place they grew up, which feels like probably like a broad <laughs> statement. Like, yeah. maybe some of them did, but like, maybe maybe they did. Yeah, like James Joyce and... Yeah, yeah. James Joyce, William Faulkner, which mm-hmm. William Faulkner's second reference in this movie, so yeah. big ups to Willie Falk. It's kind of an easy way to wrap up the yeah. movie and yeah. the so he, central conflicts. He realizes that, like... He doesn't have to get into Stanford to be a writer. That's the message. So he doesn't have to be. He doesn't right. have to go to Stanford. He doesn't have to study under Marcus Skinner to be a good writer because Mark Skinner already thinks he is a good writer yeah. and he should write about what he knows. Yeah. So that being from Orange County makes him who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes to find Lance, who's on the run from uh, the campus police and, and campus police. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, 
they get the van. Lance wants to leave Ashley behind, but Sean says, no, they have to go get her. So they go get, they, they go back to the party to get Ashley. Um, they're just kind of like yelling at her from the van and Sean's like, I guess, terrible at apologizing. Mm-hmm. And so Jack Black, like weird characterization turn out of nowhere for him, like starts instructing him what to do. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, tell her you love her and all this stuff. Like yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of an out of nowhere yeah. thing. It's, you know, I like he's fine like because Jack Black's a talented performer, but it, it doesn't really make sense. All of a sudden this character who was just manic, and running from the cops in the last scene would all of a sudden be capable of doing yeah, this. Yeah, coked out of his mind. Right. And, yeah. Um, Joe DiPello Alto from <laughs> Orange County in half the time it right. would take a normal person. Yeah. So they, they, they convince Ashley to get back in the car so they can drive home. Uh, and then, and then at one point, I guess they like pull over to sleep. Like, the next scene. Yeah, it just kind of cuts into yeah. Sean and uh, Ashley. And they're, like, uh, about to have sex in the right. back seat. And then, like, don't worry, Lance can't hear us. He's sound asleep. It's fucking weird that they would do that anyway, that they would have sex, like, <laughs> three feet from their brother, even if yeah. he is passed out. But then also, like, it's even weirder because Jack Black was, like, just pretending to be asleep. Uh-huh. And he, like, sort of gives this little, like, grin uh-huh. <laughs> when, when he's like, hmm. Obvious. Like, yeah, he's yeah. not asleep. Yeah, okay. It's like, but they don't know that. Yeah. So, weird, weird <laughs> little is, scene there. Might as well be looking at the camera. Yeah, right. Like a yeah. wink. Yeah. Um, so in the next scene, they're, they, they go back home. They see his friends outside his house. Um, his friends apparently are, like... Lovers now is kind of the joke that they make. That they like profess their love to each other. Yeah, again, his, not a lot written about that. His uh, his broy surfer pals are actually in love with each other. Yeah, okay. there there were like a couple gags about that sprinkled throughout the movie. Yeah, but... like picking each other's butts and stuff. Right. Yeah, those guys who I recognize, but I can't quite remember where I know them from. But... Uh, the blonde one has like not been in anything. I looked him up, oh, and okay. I guess he's only like really from this and. Um, maybe like the negotiator or something like one nineties movie. It's one weird nineties movie. <laughs> well, if if it's the negotiator, then then I definitely know him from that. It's I don't think it's that. They decide to go inside, and then they see that um, John Lithgow and Catherine O'Hara have reconciled. Which mm-hmm. that I, I guess we didn't Th- get into that, that was scene. a scene that was. That occurred a little earlier, like during the Stanford stuff. Yeah, they cut back to it, and yeah, and Catherine O'Hara and John Lithgow have sex, and um, yeah, they decide re- to get back together, rekindled their and then relationship. John Lithgow gives um, uh, what's her name, Leslie Mann. John Lithgow gives Leslie Mann a divorce. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then so the next time our main character sees them, they've decided to uh, rekindle their love for each other, mm-hmm. their relationship. Yeah. And um, John Lithgow also says, like, oh, apparently a, an admissions building burned down at Stanford last mm-hmm. night. Uh, <laughs> and Jack Black kind of looks from side to side. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he was, yeah. Uh, and... 
And uh, they donate the money for a new building, which is like a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, a new building. <laughs> at Stanford. On the Stanford campus. Yeah. And, um, and and that's enough to get Sean in, which of course it is, yeah. um, because that's a ton of money. Um, I assume he still owes tuition on top of that. And Sean's like, oh, oh cool. Because at this point, he's kind of made peace with not going to Stanford. And he, he, goes, yeah. he goes up to his room. Yeah, he like just goes up to his room for a minute or two. Yeah, and then he just um, he, comes back down. Uh, he and, thinks it over and he comes back down. And then he, he tells he tells everyone, but specifically he's talking to Ashley, but everyone's just kind of like congregating. And he tells them that, oh, I don't have to go to Stanford to be a great writer. I yeah. can stay here in Orange County, which like everyone's super excited about because his friends, he had started to alienate. Um, his mom, Catherine O'Hara, uh, they earlier in the movie alluded to him, to her really wanting him to stay close. Um, John Lithgow, I would have thought would have be a little, little miffed. Yeah. Because he just <laughs> like paid for paid a, a lot of money a building. Yeah. Yeah. He just donated money to have a building built on Stanford, but he, he was, he seemed pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed yeah. happy, but maybe, maybe it's cause he's getting his yeah. family back. Um, so, and then that's, that's the end of the movie. He sticks, he yeah. sticks the, the Mark Skinner book. In the right. sand it, for someone uh, else to find. It it kind of fades out from the scene at at the house, and then it goes to them at the beach when he's at, you know, he's with his friends, and he uh, he sticks the Marcus Skinner book, and then he goes surfing. Yeah, he sticks in the sand for someone else to find. Yeah, and then yeah. then he then he goes surfing with with his pals. Then and then that's the movie. Cut to the end credits. That's it. Um, that's Orange County. Yeah. Uh. Did you enjoy rewatching this movie? Um, no, not really. No, uh, that sounds. I mean, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's great. Um, I it, don't think it's too bad though. Like, I it's mean, not terrible. No, 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 no. There's some stuff in here that, like, I think it's fine. Um, like an interesting relic. Like, it's you know sort of fun yeah. to watch a movie with the, like that soundtrack and like. Um, but also. A lot of that is because like the personal connection, like oh, we were in high school at the same time, yeah. and we even went to the same area for school and stuff. So, yeah. like you know, I guess in that sense, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't totally work. Like it has some right comedic you, sensibilities that are kind of at odds with each other yeah you get the sense that um a much better version of this movie pro yeah probably was the on the original yeah. script like the original know? script was probably a lot better yeah, than yeah. what we a ended lot up more nuanced, seeing yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this and i think a movie that does uh, a much better job at um doing similar things as you know what this movie was probably going for was uh flirting with disaster yeah if you think was, about it yeah i love that movie yeah in that it's like a series of like madcap it's like a chaotic comedy. episodes yeah mm-hmm. yeah flirting with disaster is great um and this this does sort of seem to want to strike that same tone yeah but it, it never really succeeds at it um 
But yeah, it, I don't, yeah. Yeah, it also, like, it kind of shoehorns in these, like, more broad comedic set pieces that, like we said, were probably studio notes. Yeah. Like, you know, Bob rolling down the hill in his wheelchair. And we, we need this movie to appeal yeah. to, the, like, the big visual gag yeah. crowd that, like, you know, is flocking <laughs> to see, like, American Pie and scary yeah. movies and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you know. It was really funny when Stifler got peed on. Maybe we should have Dana Ivey almost drink a cup of pee. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, it's, yeah. It's a lot of stuff like that. That uh, So maybe this movie might have been better if it had come out at a different time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Overall, I, I would say I, I didn't really like it. But I also I didn't hate it. No. Um, the, the movie's... Biggest saving grace is that it's insanely short. Like yeah. we've talked about a couple it's of times. Less than eighty five minutes long. Yeah. Like to me that's like the length every Marvel movie should be mm-hmm. and not like two and a half hours like they yeah. all are. Um yeah. so for that reason it's like I you could you could convince me to watch almost any movie if it's only yeah. like eighty five minutes long. Right. That feels like such an easy commitment. Um like, this is a movie I think you could file with those, uh, like, basic cable comfort movies, like maybe Dirty Work or, you know, things you'd see when you're, like, browsing cable and yeah. you see something on. You're like, all right, you're flipping, I'll watch this. You're flipping the channels and, yeah. and it's on and you know it and you remember some scenes fondly. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's not quite one of those for me, but... Um, I didn't have the worst time watching it. Uh, I don't really care to watch it again soon. No. Um, so I guess final thoughts um, or a grade. I I think I'd go like a C minus. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like a pretty low C minus. Yeah. 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 It, I felt guilty like giving it a, a D. Mm-hmm. C minus seems appropriate. Right. Because all the actors are doing... I think the best they could do with what they're working with. Right. And we, yeah. get, we gave imposter a D last, last yeah. episode and it, it's nowhere near as bad of a movie as no. imposter. Um, it's just, you know, I think a lot of a talented, it's a super talented cast, obviously a talented writer. Um, and the project, I think just kind of got away from them more than anything. It, it probably was taken over by, you know, other people who had, <laughs> you know budgets and money they had to consider and stuff like that um yeah they probably wanted to appease like their demographic yeah yeah they being like mtv films and you know scott rudin and those Mm -hmm. guys it'd be interesting to see if like a version of this movie like if it were ever made like sort of like in the Chuck and Buck era when Mike White was like doing movies like with a much smaller budget like but without any sort of studio control over mm. it so yeah would have been interesting to see but that's not the movie we got no we got this we got this yeah um, uh I probably won't watch this again anytime soon no. no no I watched it like 3 years ago and I watched it again <laughs> Uh, this week for the podcast, and that's it. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good on Orange County anytime soon. Yeah. Both the movie and the place. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's about it for Orange County. 
Yeah. Um, anything else we want to touch on? Uh, I can't can't really think of anything. Were there was there anything else from your notes that you wanted to bring up? Uh oh. The only thing is Phantom Planet in the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. the the movie's initial credits have a different song, but then it fades into California by Phantom Planet, mm-hmm. which the very next year was then the yeah. theme song to the OC. Yeah. Um. So you can't help but feel like the OC couldn't have really even existed <laughs> if not for this movie in a way, yeah. you know, and. You're you're probably more of an OC expert I, I, than I am. Yeah. So during quarantine, I, I actually watched like about two seasons of the OC. Uh-huh. Um, so it, in high school, because we were, you know, OC started in 2003. So we were smack dab in the middle of our high school careers in Orange County. I think I was a little too annoyed by the concept of the OC and like right. its big fandom and stuff. And it was like, obviously this like event television every week to a lot of people like in our proxy. So I never watched it. I finally watched, started watching it like last year or earlier this year. And I had a pretty good time. It's, it's a weird show. It's, it's this like sort of prototype to the like banter style humor that like permeates every like Marvel movie these days. Like the the Seth Cohen character is now Captain America. Like they are basically the same sort of thing. Like a like a like the they fly now thing from like the last Star Wars movie. Like they fly now. Like that kind of humor was what Seth Cohen did, and so. The movie was obvious, or the show was obviously pretty influential in that regard. And yeah, it had a really funny soundtrack with like, lots of cameos from bands and stuff. So, <laughs> and uh, Colin Hanks was also featured in the OC, right? Like he was the star of The Valley. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's that's on the 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 famous Rooney episode. Actually, uh, is where it's at like his birthday party. Yeah. yeah, Colin Hanks. I guess probably in a nod to this movie. <laughs> yeah, was the star of the OC's version of itself that exists <laughs> in the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot, if, of, a lot of layers. If that's not one. clear, if we need to explain that one more time, there was a show that existed in the world of the OC called right. The Valley. Yeah, only one character was like into it, which was yeah. Summer, played by Rachel Bilson. Yeah. Um, and she kind of references a lot, and then she like, they stumble into Colin Hanks, I don't even remember how, at one point, <laughs> and um, and then they get invited to his birthday party because uh, Colin Hanks like wants to fuck Rachel Bilson. Basically, <laughs> that's like that's like it. And uh, and yeah. And then that at the club, that's oh wait no, that, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm getting my episodes mixed. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm gonna leave. It all sounds the, like a pretty meta I'm episode. Leave all this in. Yeah, the, pretty meta episode of the OC. The Rooney one was later with uh, the guy trying to score coke named Oliver. Different Anyhow. character, not Colin Hanks. It's okay that you don't remember what happened in what I mean, I episode this, like, of the OC. Six months ago, though, yeah. I should remember that, but it's all right. Um, that was Colin Hanks. On the OC, yeah. that was Colin Hanks in Orange County. Possibly you know. a nod to Orange County. 
the movie. Yeah, I think Man. so. I, it's got to be. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, because yeah. in a way, I don't think the OC really exists without Orange County kind of being uh, presented as a as an interesting cultural landmark sure. without, you know, before this movie, so. Yeah, so that's about it for Orange County. That's it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything else. No. Um, next time we're going to be talking about Snow Dogs, right? Snow Dogs is up next. That's that's not going to be that's That's, that's uh, I'm already having regrets at this point. But. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, so if you want to watch Snow Dogs, it's, before it's we again on talk H- about it, it's again on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, so if you're an HBO Max subscriber, it's the only movie for like the rest of our January slate uh, that is on HBO Max. The rest are all like rentals, yeah. or you have to track down the DVD. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, but that's another one that is available on HBO Max. Um, yeah. So uh, if you are similarly a glutton for punishment, you can watch uh, Snow Dogs along with us. And uh, we'll be around in another couple weeks to review that one. Um, anything else you want to touch on? No, I, I can't think if there's anything else that we want to talk about that listeners uh, have to look forward to. Uh, well, I'll just do some plugs then. Yeah. Um, Follow us, Twitter, 2002podcast, Instagram, 2002podcast. You can rate and review us on iTunes if you want to. That'd be cool. Uh, Give us five stars. I think that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this chat about Orange County. And, uh, you know. Join us for snow dogs. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Please. All right. All right. Don't make our efforts in vain. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.